episode 80 with John Dalton. Listen in as John and I discuss the sacred masculine, feminine and all things divine. Hi, John. Thank you for being here today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Amy. You're very, very welcome. So I know we're going to have loads to discuss. I'm going to go all over the show. But let's start with... (laughs) As we always do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm really intrigued as to where are conscious men in the spiritual awakened conversation? Mm. There's a big gap. Yeah, well... I think... I, I, I'm not sure. Is that I don't know. Is the <laughs> I don't, answer I don't. there? <laughs> um, I, I, but it's a good. But I think uh, uh, men, some men that I've talked to, and some I think others, and myself, are asking the very same question. Mm. You know where? Where is the sort of counterpoint? to this resurgence of the divine feminine how how do we meet that right the old system doesn't work that's clear to everybody but well i mean it's not clear to everybody it's clear to a lot of people that the system is broken and and so it's going to take a uh it's going to i think it's going to take some digging to find to find this path for men again. Uh, It certainly has for me. Okay. What do you think happened? Where did he go? Oh, I have a few crackpot theories on that. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Like many, I'll I'll just let them fly. Well, I mean, hopefully I'm pointing at things that everybody will agree upon happened. And then we can, you know, maybe we can talk about conclusions from there. But, you know, I'd say... For a solid 2,500 years, European white men have been trouncing all over the globe, running around, you know, uh, exploiting cultures uh, in the, under, under many guises, the spread of Christianity, the, you know, the, Rome, the, the, Roman, uh, the, the Roman Empire, the manifest destiny they called it here in america but this uh conspicuous need to consume right and um and that is a well what i've heard jung describe it as is something called the puer eternus which is a sort of an eternal childhood the the sort of an internal peter pan syndrome you know mm-hmm. and that has uh that has taken over the role of uh, the masculine in, in relationships in the globe. And it wasn't always like that. Okay. There was a, there was a way, there were ways, multiple ways uh, to um, initiate boys into a, communal manhood of sort a, 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 a masculine that understood on a visceral level uh his place in in this um mm-hmm. and those rituals have been stomped out uh tribal knowledge and and old practices in particular have been obliterated from 
uh, society uh, by this uh, rapacious male adolescence, which, which don't get me wrong, is, is, you know, having been one of, having been that person, (laughs) (laughs) having been a young boy and now grown up into manhood and struggled with this, I can tell you that it is, it is, uh, it is, it can be overwhelming, you know, the, the feelings and the emotions and the constituent hormones and things that come with this body, right? So, as true for everybody, it's not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's just true for men, but, you know, I think our path is more poorly understood um, when it comes to a spiritual reawakening. Do you think it's poorly understood for men, particularly, or in general? Like, or is it, is it poorly understood for men, or do you think it's the women don't understand it? I, 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 I can't really say. I don't want to make any bold claims about generalizations about men or women or anything like that. I, I, there are you know, men and women all over the globe uh, equally are you know, pretty smart and they understand these things. Um, I don't claim to be an expert in anything. Um, But what I see is that it seems that at least with women, some thread of spirituality has been preserved. Some, uh, Some practices, some ways of connecting, some ways of talking through things, some ways of finding oneself amidst all of this, uh, some ways of growing. Women seem to have preserved that knowledge better than men. And, uh, and so I think for me, at least, it's been a real challenge to find a, a path that is particularly male. I think what I've noticed in the in the sort of male spiritual community is that very frequently pe- guys start talking and they're talking to a group of men and and extremely quickly they run out of things to say about men and then they immediately start talking about how to relate to women and what women want and how to be a more attractive, close, open male for your partner or so you can attract a partner. And that second part, right? Like the like it's all about it, it all comes down to just getting chicks again. Like that's not appropriate, right? Like I think at a certain point we should probably uh turn our attentions inward for a moment. I mean that's probably good advice for everybody, but in particular, I think for men, it's probably a good idea to, you know, listen to ourselves for a moment. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, am I am I too far out over my skis here? What do you? What's your? No, no not at all. I was just thinking about what you said about you know, men and women being equally smart around the world, and that is true. And yet we are where we are. And I'm just yeah. wondering, kind of, where the disconnect happened because we are all innately very smart people. Agreed. When you think about it, it's kind of ridiculous that we're in the situation we're in, mm-hmm. considering we are all that smart. But I think you're right. I think going internal is good advice for everyone. Yeah. And I think 
for women in terms of the spiritual thread that you spoke of, I think mm-hmm. it's so connected with community and how we relate to each other. Mm-hmm. So I think it did, I think it did go dormant for a little while. Or it certainly went much more undercover for a little while, which is why we're having the resurgence of the divine feminine now on a more kind of mainstream level. And I yeah. just wonder, is it that as women, we're just taught to relate to each other differently? So we're more open to having those conversations? Because I don't believe that men don't have those same um, inclinations or drives. I think maybe it's just they're not talking about them. I, I think I, I agree with you. Um, men aren't talking about much except for sports and cars and women, <laughs> uh, for the most part, from what I can tell. Um, but that's all we've been taught to talk about. Uh, that's, that's all we've been given permission to talk about. You know, I, I think particularly masculine guys, right? Masculine leaning guys. They're, they're taught very early that there's a lot of things that they shouldn't, they're not allowed to express, you know, just like women. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's equally true, except our mode of expression currently in the sort of economic system we live in, the social situation puts us in a, in a, a de facto power position. Mm-hmm. You know? um, it's already been established. So at this point it's it for, I mean, I, you know, I have to cop to it, right. I'm a six foot one white male. Right. And I'm from America. I got handed a golden ticket. Um, and it's true. The wind has been at my back all my life, you know. So I, I, I can't claim that I've had a, I've had a difficult path of it. But uh, when a role is thrust upon you and you did not ask for it, uh, as many people know, it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be confusing. So. I'm, I'm looking for ways personally to, uh, to talk about other things and find a way for men to express themselves. And, and I don't know, you said talking and talking about it. And, and that is certainly a good thing. There's nothing wrong with talking, but I would contend Again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I have no qualifications or any, you know, acronyms or abbreviations after my name to make this claim other than just observation. I would say that boys and men need some kind of nonverbal physical practice in order to learn things, in order to embed them, that the masculine path, wherever it is, mm-hmm. involves something nonverbal. And, and, and I'm, I, I, I'm citing um, my own work with kids in my community, right, particularly boys, and running uh, things like summer camps and, and games is what we play really like games. Mm-hmm. We all get together, play some games. Uh, and the young boys who are suffering from 
things like ADHD, you know, high functioning autism, uh, they, it's remarkable how quickly they calm down when we engage with them in some kind of repetitive physical activity that's not verbal. You can see the nervousness and the, and the jitteriness and it just drains right out of them and suddenly they're not jabbering, they're right there, they're right there focused and they calm down and uh, so I've seen it and, and from all sorts of ancient cultures across the world there are numerous instances where, uh, you know, for male initiations they, they grab the boys and they, the, the men, they grab the boys, they take them away from them, their mothers and sisters and they take them out into the wilderness somewhere and then something happens, a ritual happens. In Africa, they, they used to bury these boys in, in, you know, bury them in the earth uh, with only a tube to drink, uh, to drink, to breathe through, right? Mm -hmm. and, then they, and then they dig them out. They leave them there for 24 hours or overnight and they dig them out. Uh, and then something happens. They take them away and something happens. They do rituals, right? They do mm -hmm. some kind of initiation introduces the boy to his body in a way that a woman and women uh, just i don't think that it's that it, it's different for women and and it's not easy to talk about as you can tell i'm trying to i'm pulling the words together kind of as i'm going here you know uh so i don't know uh talking yes talking's great but um but there's something else, there's something different. Well, I think what you're speaking to is almost a primal expression of masculinity somehow. Ooh, primal expression. All right, tell me more. Talk about primal expression. Well, it sounds to me, it's very, much, it's very physical, it's very in the body, and it sounds like it's almost instinctual, kind of the movement. And if you think back, I was just thinking back to kind of early humanity, mm -hmm. where the male would be the hunter-gatherer. It's a very physical. Yeah. It's really pushing his body to the max and learning what he can do and how he can, can control his body, essentially, to hunt and to survive. And I was yes. just thinking that in the modern age, you know, in 2018, yeah. most of us don't do that anymore. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. So uh, and, yeah, and if we do do it, it's a very different process, isn't it? It's yeah, it's, it's not as survival. It, right. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to go and hunt your food, you know, you go to the supermarket. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's very different going down to the supermarket, right? It's not, you don't not quite get quite, quite the same adrenaline rush to go walking through the produce aisle, exactly. grabbing something suddenly. Yeah, like carrot rage. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the same thing, really. No, no, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really get to, it's not at all a primal expression. It's not. <laughs> Very far from a primal expression. <laughs> yes. It's way, 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 way far behind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, that's really, I, I think that's a very trenchant point. Um, a primal expression. And uh, I'm going to toss this out there. Mm -hmm. I think women, because of their menstrual cycles, are sort of tossed into a primal expression very early, aren't they? Like, there it comes. Like, 
here you go, you get one, right? You don't get a choice, you, this is gonna happen. And that's, in a way, that's a very primal expression. Um, all right, yeah, so there we go. I would say that boys, there's no, there's, there, that doesn't happen, right? We're never forced, really, to confront ourselves in that way. And that is something that I believe only men can do for men is that sort of primal expression, that sort of primal confrontation with their own hormones, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't, I certainly couldn't do it. I raised a daughter, right? And, you know, there was a certain point at which I, I said to her, I was like, I can't help you. There's certain things that I just am not going to be able to help you with. I can be here, you know, mm -hmm. but, but you're going to have to talk to your mom, you're going to have to talk to other women because um, I have no, I have no clue what you're going through. And me, even talking about it, like I know something is inappropriate. Um, well, I think it's that whole thing of having been through the experience yourself. Well, sure, exactly, right. You know. And then having some kind of community around you to be able to talk about it. You know, um, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. To having having someone to prepare you for it and and receive you when it happens you know mm -hmm. uh, that's huge uh young boys are sort of thrown out there aren't they like you know here you go kid right here's the keys to the kingdom see you later <laughs> <laughs> you know bye <laughs> yeah 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 you know more frequently they whoever it is starts it up and drives it right into a telephone pole um it's, 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 that's, I mean, look what happened, <laughs> you know, look what's happening around the globe to men, right? They, they, so well. yeah, they win, right? They win. They get everything that society tells them they can have and they just explode, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's never that encounter where you become conscious. That's what's been eliminated uh, from the male path. And um, I certainly don't know how to get it back. I'm, I, it's a big step, I think, just to point out that it's gone. You know? I think so too, yeah. Because um, after that, like, you know, some research has to be done. And, and some team building exercises, you know, like I think some men have to huddle up and, and start talking about this, um, about what to do, you know, uh, because it's not a, it's not a hypothesis, right? Either. It's like global warming is not, it's really happening. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the rise of the divine feminine is really happening for many people as like it's patently obvious and so i think it's incumbent upon um men to to find a way to rise with it it's not a mm -hmm. zero-sum game right it's not mm -hmm. like now the women win and we lose no it's not no it does not have to be like that at all right mm-hmm Quite the contrary. Women win. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's where we're trying to head to. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right that, you know, as the divine feminine rises, the divine masculine needs to rise alongside her. Yeah. Definitely. Because I think that's where we are truly powerful, where everyone's, you know, in their innate power. I think, yeah. everyone, I think everyone wins. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people are hung up on this idea of equality, right? Like things have to be equal. Things should be equal. And, and when you're talking about money, or distribution of goods. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's appropriate. Talk about equality. Everybody gets the same, right? Everybody yeah. gets some. But I think when you're talking about these subtler things, right? When you're talking about the divine masculine, the divine feminine, it's, it's equal, but it's not at all symmetrical. It's not at all... I don't see it at all as being equal in the sense of like we get the same amount of cookies or something. You know what I mean? Like okay. it's it's they're fundamentally different energies and and I had this I had this sort of vision the other day of um you know the yin and yang symbol, right? Mm-hmm. The, the black swirl with the next to the white swirl in the circle and very frequently it's seen vertically right like uh see the black on the left or right or whatever and um it's sort of vertically aligned well i saw this vision i sort of appeared to me of of that kind of laying on its side right with the uh the black part on the bottom and this white ball inside it like uh like it had fallen like a stone into the ocean and there was a feminine quality to the darkness right there was a there was a feminine face even in it it was turbulent like the sea splashing mm-hmm. out and then above the white part it was that had a black splash in it right like this seething sort of splash of darkness in it and and the but the white part had a masculine demeanor of sort of father sky right father Mm -hmm. sky mother earth that sort of image right Mm -hmm. and they were they were they there was turbulence between them there but but that was the way it was supposed to be it was all caught up in that right that the the interplay of the masculine energy and feminine energy it it's it's not going to feel comfortable all the time it's not that way they're different right Mm-hmm. I think this leads us back to all the way to the question that you asked that brought us together, the question about the creative process. And, uh, well, I, I, actually, if you recall, let me toss the ball over to you. Like, <laughs> uh, um, do you, uh, you want to talk about that a little bit and where, like, what connected us in the first place? Yeah, I mean, the way we connected, um, not that long ago, actually, thinking about it, Uh where I was having this kind of internal exploration as to where was the divine masculine in my creative process, Mm. because I seem to have gone very much into the feminine, Mm. which is fine, but you can't have one. You know, there needs to be both in the, the creative process. And I was really struggling to work at how to bring the divine masculine in into that sense of action 
yeah. into the equation in a really healthy way. And I had posed a question in a Facebook group and that's how we connected. Mm -hmm. My question was if the divine masculine had kind of got lost in the creative process and he, and he can't, you can't lose the masculine in the creative process. The process right. doesn't work. Right. Right. There's that, that sort of essential splash. And this is, this is true for men too, right? We, we, it's incumbent upon us to accept that feminine energy into our space, right? Be able to, you know, like that yin yang symbol, if not, at, if not, assimilated somehow at least hold at least hold on to it deal with the fact that it's there mm -hmm. um but it's a different energy it's a fundamentally different energy and i don't always know if it's going to feel ecstatic i think one of the things that the 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 the, the spiritual community seems to Pedal, I think is the right word, is this idea that, um, you know, your life's going to be unicorns and rainbows and you're going to be smiling all the time. You're going to feel great. Like, uh, yeah, that might happen. Um, and, and very frequently when people experience, like, encounter, you know, some kind of spiritual awakening, there is a period of... Ex ecstasy you know mm -hmm. but that wears off <laughs> it does, <laughs> it does. <laughs> and after that right you're left with the real actual encounter with the full spectrum of your feelings right that mm -hmm. that ecstasy helps it's like an adrenaline rush it masks the discomfort of the new right mm -hmm. but but that so frequently i think spiritual communities they want to stay there perpetually right they want to stay in that kind of perpetual ecstatic state of like this blissed out kind of you know yogic trance kind of all the time and mm -hmm. and that's it's not going to feel like that right we uh, as creatives right we know the the artistic process the creative process is an uncomfortable one it's a difficult one it's it's sometimes, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's day labor sometimes, right? They're just the sitting down and the tedium of the doing, right? There's, it's not always comfortable, but it, but it is rewarding, right? Mm -hmm. I think you sacrifice fun for later rewards, kind of the, some kind of, uh, I hesitate to say payoff, but, you know, it feels rewarding, right? Uh, once you've accomplished it, once you've gone through the discomfort, once you've negotiated some kind of release or interaction. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're kind of alluding to, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. is that it's you have to be in it and kind of go through it and then is that where I was going with this? No, it wasn't where I was going with this. Well, where I was going with this, what kind of, what kind of hit me as you were talking about that is it, uh, I think in a spiritual community, I think this is kind of linked to what you're saying. Yeah. Is it can be this idea of trying to spiritually bypass. Oh to just, yeah. To just be in those feel good feelings. 
and kind mm. of what hit me as you were talking about kind of being in that process that day in day out and really doing the work essentially is what we're talking about yeah is yeah. how that kind of goes against our kind of our culture right now which is very much about instant gratification mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i was thinking about i think you're right it's not necessarily going to feel comfortable no at all no I and mean, i think that's okay i don't think you have to feel comfortable no it's not a comfortable process i mean do you think that you know like i can't imagine that being buried in the earth for 24 hours with the tube to breathe through is very comfortable <laughs> that's not sounds, you know, sounds horrific rumor, rumor has it getting your period is not at all comfortable it's <laughs> not it's, it's really i've heard rumors that it is uncomfortable so <laughs> so it you know that's part of the gig here um yes. and yeah you're right like sort of this perpetual running away from discomfort leads to you know, it, it's, it's maddening. It leads to madness, you know, um, which is what's kind of going on. So you got to turn and confront it. Uh, I think the, I heard that the artist Chuck Close once said that um, amateurs wait for inspiration and the rest of us just get up and go to work in the morning. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's. I, I think that's that's kind of where it is is um, to get up and go to work in the morning. But I think the question for men is, what work first before we go to work? What work? You know, it doesn't have to be a very difficult question, um, but the answer is elusive. I can see that, and I think. I don't know that women have the answer either. And I think it's, it's interesting about the resurgence of the divine feminine is that women have started talking more about mentoration and kind of red tents have popped up everywhere. And I think that's really helped women open up and open up to that discussion. And I think in general, not all women, but in general, women find talking a lot easier. It's one of the ways we express quite easily, which I think is why talking is easy for us. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I, um, it, uh... I've been in, I've been in relationships with women, and and that's, that's where it wants to go. That's where they want to go with the relationship, and uh, and I've gone there, um, and it's not comfortable, um, but that's I figured because it wasn't comfortable, it was, I was doing I was doing it right, you know. Uh, I was told. <laughs> I was told largely by women that it wouldn't be comfortable, you know, like, so, but I don't know that me, I followed that advice in the absence of other advice, right? Mm-hmm. In the absence of a, of a, of male role models mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and male guidance, you know, uh, um, I read, I read the books in the late 90s and the early 2000s. The men are from Mars's, the women are from Venus's, mm-hmm. right? About how men are supposed to come out of their caves and communicate and use their words and get in touch with their feelings and participate in communities and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually quite healthy. 
but there is a masculine thing that's missing mm -hmm. from, because that advice has come from women. So, so yeah, there's a masculine part to that, um, that, that, uh, that, that is tricky. Um, there is, Emma. But yeah, you have to something. No, go on, go on. I'm listening to myself going, oh, wait, mom, I'm no, way healed here. <laughs> no, no, you're not. You're, it's okay, it's okay. We okay, love good, it. good, good. Good, I'm glad. I was just thinking, you know, I think it does feel uncomfortable for men lots of the time to communicate, particularly in relationships, because it's hard. You know, having an yeah. honest conversation with, about your feelings is hard, and it's hard for everyone. I think yeah. culturally it's acceptable for women, so it's maybe a little bit easier, but it is hard for everyone. Yeah. And I was just thinking that, you know, as much as men perhaps need to go through that discomfort, yeah. I'm sure there is, you know, a counterbalance where women need to be, get uncomfortable in whatever that masculine expression is to also kind of yeah. stretch and grow. Yeah. I, and I, I don't would... know what that is. <laughs> well, I... Actually, I can tell you a little bit about an experience that I had recently, okay. um, a personal experience um, in a, you know, I'm uh, in a relationship, mm -hmm. and um, and in that relationship, I uh, found myself, um, oh, you know, t I took a certain stance on something, and, and it wasn't a very verbal stance. <laughs> um, I sort of made myself clear very firmly and without a lot of words as if I were talking to one of my male friends. I sort of adopt like I it was uncomfortable, but I tried it, right? Like mm -hmm. how would I talk to this person if I weren't I mean frankly, if I weren't sexually attracted to them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't some kind of like hormonal chemistry. What would I say? And it was a question of boundaries and like what we were going to do together and how much time I needed to myself, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I sort of said it very bluntly and it wasn't very comfortable for her to hear. And mm -hmm. she went away butthurt about it. And we didn't talk for a day or so. But I felt great. And... And after a day or so of her cooling off or two days or so, she came back to me and she said, you know, I was really mad about that. You really hurt my feelings. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm not good at this. I fully admit it. You know, this, I look at relationships like, uh, well, I mean, the easy thing to say is learning to dance with one, someone, right? Like you're going to step on their feet sometimes mm -hmm. you're gonna hurt them right this is the first time you're trying this thing with this person it, it's the same as getting bumped while you're dancing or stepping on somebody's toes except it's a mo it, it's like the emotional body you're stepping on their emotional toes right mm -hmm. and that those processes take instead of minutes of pain it's like weeks of pain or days mm -hmm. right so she came back, I was like, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, I'm trying this thing out. But, but she returned, right? Mm -hmm. And really, there was nothing wrong with what I did, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It was, it felt particularly 
for lack of a better word, masculine, masculine. And it was, and it was met, right? Like mm-hmm. not by a girl, right? It, she didn't have a girlish reaction, right? She didn't cry. She didn't, you know, throw whatever girls do, right? Like she didn't do those things. She went away and then she came back and we had a great discussion and we're much closer for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that for me at least, that felt like something that maybe I should try again, but mm-hmm. more skillfully, right? I was admittedly pretty clumsy at it my first time. But now that I've done it, now I can try it again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess here's, okay, here's I think a, a pretty salient point, right? Um, not, there's where the divine feminine needs to come, right? That's where the divine feminine needs to step up. Um, and she did, right? She really did. Um, she stepped up because uh, she met that energy, right? Mm-hmm. That particularly masculine energy. She was surprised by it, hurt by it, right? But she came back. She met it with an equal, it has that term again, right? With a, with a proper response, right? What do you, uh, help me wrap my head around this, you know? Do you, am I explaining it clearly? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think what's beautiful about that example is that you kind of stood in your masculine, essentially, and you were met by feminine. And yeah. because yeah. of that, you actually came through stronger and closer, which is how I think it should be. Well, yeah. I mean, that time it worked, you know. I think there's probably going to be other times when there you know that's one example i I, will try it again see if it works it may not Uh, i don't that's a learning process yeah but but that's part of the learning process right we'll go stronger for it maybe maybe in certain instances it would mean that me and that person or a certain couple couple go different directions right maybe we split up but yeah, but the important thing is like showing up, isn't it? Right? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, learning and missteps and bumps and bruises are all part of the process. It's that kind of that day in, day out work we spoke about a little while ago. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. comfortable. No. In the creative process you make mistakes and you have to start over. And it's yeah. just part of the process. Yeah, we are definitely sold a bill of goods about relationships, you know. Um there's so many, you know, rom-coms and stories and all sorts of things about love saving us all, you know, and how it's, it's gonna, it can, it can bring us, you know, sort of eternal joy or something like that. And, and let me tell you, I, I have my doubts. <laughs> I don't have doubts. I just I don't have any doubts. I do think that love is incredibly powerful and uh-huh. I think it can give us that eternal joy. I think we've been missold what love is. I don't think it means love is easy. 
All right. All like right. Keep, these days. keep talking. Keep talking. I think well, the, the, the relationship thing was sold is that it's going to be easy. And somehow if it's destiny, it's all going to fall together wonderfully. And mm-hmm. then you're going to get hurt. And it's going to be, you know, diamonds and roses and wonderful sunsets forever. Right. And right. that's what we're sold as, as love. And yeah. I think real love mm. can hold you in the tough times and the fights and where it's messy and when you're learning and when they irritate you and you irritate mm. them and you can you stay together because of something mm. stronger than just kind of what that one experience is in the moment. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think you can be held in something stronger and something deeper that is not just about, you know, it looking pretty on the outside. Sure. A, a depth of relationship. Sure. Does that make I, sense? It does. It does. And that is, well, I, I have some, I, I personally got somewhat lost in that, in pursuit of that definition. I, uh, I would say that because of that definition that you like, you stay in there and you keep fighting and you, you sacrifice and you take your bumps and bruises and it's not always easy. Um, I agree with all of that. That's definitely true. Um, but I, in my personal experience, Mm -hmm. I feel like that led me to stay in a relationship or in a couple of relationships. Um, way longer than I should have mm-hmm. because um, because I hung in there you know I was like this is awful <laughs> <laughs> and like people are like you know a lot of soft, a lot of people are like yeah yeah that's that's part of it right like mm-hmm. that's part of it is that yeah, some parts are awful you know so um, yes I agree with you. Some parts are awful, but, but do you know what I'm saying? Like where I, at least for me, the line was never drawn as like, okay, that's far too awful. Right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so where do you, you know, like, and I'm not saying, and you know, uh, there is a definite line, right? Like where you don't stay with somebody, the, the crimes are being committed, abuse, whatever, right? Self-destruction, mm-hmm. all of those things. But none of those things were happening in the relationship. But I know? think the line is different for everyone. I think that's the problem. Ah, okay. Because I but think about, you know, you know, there are, not, there are hard lines so you don't stay in an abusive situation. People yeah. do. Yeah, there were crimes being committed. People do, so mm-hmm. I think the line is very much individual, and I think that's kind of what screws us up a little bit. Because I don't think love should be awful, but I also don't think it's roses all the time. And no, I think it's not. like trying to like negotiate kind of what that looks like in practice. It's really tough when I think we're sold this idea that it should be like a romantic comedy, mm. and then the reality is that it's not. And it's like, well, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not always like that. And you burn out on it, don't you? You know, you burn out after a time. Like it's it's a real it's an effort to uh to keep that level of to sustain that level for somebody else's sake or for your own, you know. 
there's a full circle of ways to go. And, uh, and we have a lot of exploring to do, you know. We do. Um, and it kind of struck me, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud now, yeah. there's, there's similarity in relationships into the same way it's kind of the maturing of the masculine. Because that eternal kind of Peter Pan syndrome that we spoke about right at the beginning, it's kind of similar to being that kind of romancing stage for the entire relationship. It's just not practical. Sure, yeah. There are lots of women, I think, who want to stay princesses. Yeah. You know, they want to, like, I guess that is a, that is a feminine counterpoint, right? Of mm -hmm. uh, women who want to be swept off their feet. Um, looking for their knight in shining armor right mm -hmm. like prince charming yeah yeah prince charming exactly that you know that is an equally fictional role uh, yeah, think, yeah yeah go on, saying, go on which is interesting because women do absolutely not women but a lot of women do kind of buy into this whole prince charming it's gonna sweep me off my feet and oh, actually yeah. it it completely sets men up it's going horribly wrong. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I appreciate, I appreciate that. But Prince Charming is a fictional idea. Yeah. You know, and you can write any story you want in a book, but in real life, it's going to be different. And Oh, yeah. It's extraordinarily difficult getting up. Just, just as uh, equally difficult. I'm not... I'm not saying it's any more or less difficult to be, uh, you know, to wake up and be a princess every day, right? That's hard too. But yeah, getting up and being Prince Charming every day and putting on that armor, boy, like that's tough. Especially when the princess is sort of allowed to say anything, right? Like, and if you truly love me, you'll do this for me, right? Like, because that's a trump card isn't it right like that's a get out that's a that's a free pass right if and you think, love me yeah. if you love me you'll do this for me and i think this leads us to territory that's very uncomfortable mm -hmm. that's be very unpopular <laughs> but mm, yeah. it's very true yeah, yeah, yeah. part of the way that women have learned and been taught to communicate with the male mm -hmm. is manipulation yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and it's uh, not comfortable to acknowledge that as a woman. Yeah. It's also true because, you know, if you love me, you do this for me, that is manipulative. Yeah, yeah. There's a... Um, it shouldn't be a get-out-of-jail-free card. Sure, and it leads men, I think, because of our nature to do things that are far, far beyond what we can actually achieve or even want to do in an effort to prove ourselves you know, um, be the hero, right? Um, I had one of my, one mentor of mine said to me, uh, he's like, here's the thing about heroes. They die. <laughs> and someone makes, someone makes a statue out of them, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a different path to stay alive. It's not as popular. Um, it means saying no, you know? And I think that leads me back to the to my example from um, my recent interaction is that I kind of said no, and that wasn't 
it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't received well, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, but it was accepted, right? It, it hurt in the process of transferring it, but, but it, but it was well received and both of us, I think are stronger for it. And there's an example, there's a lesson in that, you know, uh, for, for us guys. Well, it sounds like you set a boundary. Yeah, exactly. And that boundary was respected. Maybe not understood initially. Yeah. But okay, this is different, but that's okay. Right, right, right. Took a little while, took a period of adjustment, totally understandable. Uh-huh. Right. But yeah, it was it was a boundary. Um and and yeah, it worked. I uh it uh, it worked. I feel better, right? I feel better, which is mm-hmm. the sort of the unexpected part is that um you know is that it was it was well received and i think that was very healing for both of us in the long run you know but we did definitely get into it as she was like that was that was pretty toxic that you gave me and i was like hey i'm sorry you know i don't i don't know what i do. i don't know what i'm doing right like I'm trying this out. I have to try it. Like I can, I can, there's only so long that I can talk about it. Right. There's, there you go. And I think we're all the way back to my point about the masculine energy is that there's only so long that I can talk about anything before I have to try something. Mm-hmm. I have to do it and do it and do it and do it and, and do it again, repetition for me personally in any learning process, any sort of physical experiential repetition is how I learn. And I just have to do it. It's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing entirely to just do it in a sort of wordless way. Mm-hmm. And, and then I guess the process for me is like a... Um, it's like uh, the easiest example is like taking impact, like like having a ball thrown in your stomach, right? Like, ooh, it hits you, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, like I I I need to feel that. So there's something in me that says I need to feel that again, and again and again and again until I understand the feeling and know what's coming, so that I can be calm when I receive it. And that's the way I really learn. That's the way I internalize stuff. That's the way things get to my core, my where, you know, like, um, not to get a little too hand wavy, but where my chakras reside, right? <laughs> Against my spine, right? And sort of my inner core, where my heart is, you know, in my gut. Right? Uh, that's where it really sinks in. The resonance, right? It needs to be physical. I need to feel it before it really gets in. Other than that, it's very surface. It's all talking, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's not a place where the true divine anybody resides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the divine in us all, popular conceit is that it's within, right? And I think that's, I think that's true. I think that's where 
it's supposed to be, that's where you try and really find it. And if you look or feel, you may, you may encounter something that, that may not be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but you'll encounter something. <laughs> that's, that's where you got to not be afraid. <laughs> you got to go towards it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I go towards your fear. Well, I think that's where the spiritual bypassing comes, comes in. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. going towards fear is scary. Like, yeah. We're definition, isn't it? Yeah, we are just going to jump over this. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> that was so That was great. Right. Why do you do, why do the hard work? Just go around. Yeah. I don't even think it's people don't want to do the hard work. I think it's the sense of the unknown. Like they just don't know what's going to happen. Yep. And that is just so scary. So yep. we just stay here on the ends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not go any further. Yeah. Hey. Yes. I mean. Have I been people, there? I've totally done that. Oh yeah. I mean, people are not comfortable in going into the great unknown. Um, that is true, man. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, look at our popular movie culture. I would say. Right? Like, why are sequels so popular? Why not take all that money and invest it in a new story? Right? Because mm -hmm. new stories, you don't know what's going to happen. Right? You well, can't bank. Fine. You can't, yeah, you can't bank on it. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't write checks to it because you don't know how it's going to be received, you know? Well, that's true. But what immediately came up is, like, how many sequels aren't really that good? Oh, they man. Why as good as the first one, are they? No, no, right. Because they're, they're taking what works and they're doing it again. And because they know people will come back because that's what we do, right? We, things that are unfamiliar to us, we like, oh, I don't know. I'd rather stick with what I've got over here, right? <laughs> Which I suppose is why there are so, so many um, movies that get remade. Yeah. Again, the remake is very rarely anywhere near as good as the original. Yep, 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 yep. Yes. Mm. What's that? Uh, it's, it's right in Hamlet, right? Uh, there's the calamity that makes so long life. Right. For whom would bear the whips and scorns and time, the oppressor's wrong, all of that, whatever, all that list he gives, right? Um, uh, but for the threat of something after death, right? The unknown country from whose born no traveler returns puzzles the will and makes us bear those ills we have rather than fly to others we know not of. So yeah, it's like I'd rather I'd stick with this crap than <laughs> at least I'm used to it. At least I know what to expect, you know. <laughs> around here. So John, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure as always. <laughs> thank you, Amy. It's been <laughs> lovely for me too. 
so great to hang out with you today. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes as it really helps get this message into more ears. This is Amy Biondini. Live your truth. Be yourself.